end of the 2QB Experience podcast. I'm your host, Greg Smith, at GregSauce on Twitter. This is episode 82 of the 2QB XP and the second installment of the Two-A-Days series. Each episode in this series features two guests, typically pairing analysts from the same fantasy site or with some other sort of connection in the community. My goal here is to share with you, the listeners, a wide variety of unique takes on the quarterback position and quarterback draft strategy for all different types of formats. Yes, 2QBs.com is dedicated to 2QB and Superflex leagues, but we also strive to be your home for all things quarterback. So from guest to guest, I'll dive into all sorts of fantasy quarterback analysis from 2QB to 1QB, redraft to dynasty, DFS to best ball and beyond. Today's first guest is Anthony Amico, the new VP of operations at RotoCurve, but formerly of 2QBs.com and RotoViz. We'll talk about the depth at quarterback and how QB's values are tied to their receivers, as well as how to apply the zero or RB draft strategy to two quarterback formats. Today's second guest is Jeremy Hart of RotoViz and the RotoViz Radio Mailbag, and we'll discuss embracing efficiency metrics to evaluate quarterbacks and common questions and misconceptions about QBs from his work hosting the mailbag. Before we get to our guests, I want to remind you that the 2QBs.com 2018 2QB and Superflex Draft Guide is now available. Visit 2QBs.com. TWOQBS.com to see everything the guide has to offer. Today, I specifically want to highlight the Draft Guide's article by Jordan Hoover about finding quarterback values based on their offensive weapons. Jordan uses all sorts of data from RotoViz, AirYards.com, and other sources to identify potential steals at QB in the later rounds of your drafts. And his article is just the tip of the iceberg here. The guide features 221 digital pages of content from a host of heavy hitters from around the fantasy industry. And 10% of each sale will go to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, a very good cause, a very important cause. So to get your copy and to dominate your two quarterback leagues, head over to 2QBs.com, that's T-W-O-Q-B-S.com, and order today. Use the coupon code WEAPONS to get 10% off, and when you're using that coupon code, there are two different spots where you can enter it in. Uh, Unfortunately, one of them, for technical reasons, has not been working Uh, So when you want to use the coupon code, make sure you click proceed to checkout first and then enter the coupon code after you're on the checkout screen. If you try to use the spot that's in your cart to enter the coupon code, it's not going to work. Sorry about that. (laughs) We're trying to get it resolved. uh, But for now, you have to make sure to enter that coupon code weapons after you proceed to checkout. With all that out of the way, it's time to get to our guests. Let's dive in. All right, and so I'd like to welcome in Anthony Amico at Amixta on Twitter to the show, one of the original 2QB's contributors. Anthony, welcome back to the show. It's been a while since we had you on. How's it going? It's going great. Uh, you know, always great to be back on the 2QB's pod. Uh, I'm excited to uh, get into it. I mean, we got real football coming up soon. This is great. I know. Hall of Fame game is you know right around the corner. This is actually probably going to post after the Hall of Fame game, so that'll be in the rear view by the time people are listening to this, but... Uh, you know, I'm, I can't wait, man. It's it's time for some real football action on the field, even if it is just preseason. I'm 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 stoked. I'm ready. Oh yeah. Um. So let's just dive right in, man. What is the biggest quarterback evaluation takeaway that you've gained through your work in the industry at Rotoviz, at Two QBs, and and everywhere else that you've kind of contributed uh, across you know the fantasy community? I guess it's two things. I mean, number one, the position's never been deeper. I feel like we say that every year, but every year it really does feel like. You know, there's more and more startable quarterbacks for you to use in fantasy leagues. Um, and and kind of like the other thing for me, and this is, I guess, more direct evaluation, is 
just like the value of receivers and pass catchers on quarterbacks. I mean, I, a lot of the stuff that I think Josh Hermsmeyer's done with air yards has really kind of brought to light like just how valuable and just how important the receivers are to quarterback production. And uh, it's kind of like changes the scope of how I look at things because now I feel like, you know, the, the guys who have really good weapons are, are, you know, just as good in my eyes in a lot of cases as the guys who we just think are really talented players. So give me an example of a quarterback like that who you think might be going under the radar a little bit. It doesn't have to be like a really deep sleeper or anything like that, but someone who kind of fits the bill who maybe drafters aren't considering, you know, with their weapons in mind. I mean, for me, it's Eli Manning. That's, just drafted Saquon Barkley, two overall. They're getting Odell back. Evan Ingram's one of the best young tight ends in football. Sterling Shepard's pretty good. Uh, and all those guys, for the most part, maybe with the exception of Shepard, are carrying like a high draft position. So, like, you know, fantasy gamers respect those guys a lot. Uh, and yet Eli is still going you know, really towards the back end of that QB2 range in a lot of, in a lot of drafts. Uh, the, the respect really hasn't kind of flowed his way, and I, I feel like it probably should. Yeah, that's interesting. Eli is one of those guys who I just generally don't believe in, so I have a really hard time justifying that with like a ranking even based upon his weapons. And but but you're right, they are connected. And so for me, what I find myself doing is devaluing the the weapons in that offense. Essentially, like I, I still have Saquon and Odell Beckham ranked pretty highly, but I'm kind of not really interested in Sterling Shepard or Evan Ingram because I don't know if Eli is good enough of a quarterback to sustain all four of those guys. Do you think that's fair? Do you think I'm overdoing it? Uh, I mean, critique my process here. Well, I mean, I think that, I think ultimately we still want to keep these guys in perspective. Like, I don't think that Sterling Shepard is a guy that like necessarily quote unquote has to get his and the giants as good as they are kind of up top, they really don't have like a ton of depth. So you're, you're looking at like, you know, a lot of pretty poor players after those four guys. So I think that those, that they can all produce, uh, certainly, I guess if you consider that maybe like all the work just goes to those four guys, it's possible that they do produce and Eli still doesn't do anything. I, I just don't, I just don't really see that as, uh, but I, th I think you can at least bet on it, I guess, at this juncture because of his price. Yeah, and I mean, the price on Eli is fine, and actually the price on Shepard is fine too. I guess Ingram is the guy who I really have the most red flags kind of waving in front of my face for. Sure. Mostly because tight end is so volatile in the first place, and mm -hmm. it does seem like a lot of the reason Ingram was so successful last season was just because Odell Beckham was not playing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and you know certainly he was seeing some targets early in the season. It's really hard to tell because we only got to see a couple games with them at full strength, but uh, I, I still think that Ingram will, will get looks, but certainly he's probably being you know a little overdrafted. I think that if you look at a lot of the tight ends last year, you know not a lot of them played enough games to really see like the target load that Ingram saw like over the course of the season. And uh, you know if you project Ingram just for a few less targets with you know with Beckham there and, and Saquon there, I think uh, that makes a pretty big difference. I think in in his expectation. So how does this kind of process that you've come to on Eli Manning, I mean, you're probably going to be higher on him than most people with this stuff in mind, but how high can he really go in, like, your quarterback rankings, say? Like, it seems to me like a lot of these guys are really close in value, and do, do you see Manning's weapons justify him being drafted ahead of, I, I don't know, some of the other guys in that tier? You know, Blake Bortles, Derek Carr, Andy Dalton, Mitch Trubisky, Alex Smith. Like, how high are you willing to go with Manning? I'd probably take him over... <clears throat> Oh, over all those guys except for Smith. 
Um, I think maybe him and Dalton are really close. Uh, but I, for me, like the things that I know I'm going to get out of Eli is like I'm probably going to get 16 games. I know that I'm going to get uh, a really good you know cast of weapons, and I'm not really going to have to pay that premium of a price. Like I think the thing that's really nice about him versus uh, you know, another guy that I think kind of falls into this category, Patrick Mahomes, is that, like, there's no buzz on Eli. So, like, if if I take him a little bit earlier than he's going right now to kind of lock him in, I'm, I'm probably still not taking him over very many quarterbacks. Yeah, I was actually going to pivot towards Mahomes because he is that same type of player where, you know, with, with Eli, the risk is that he's old and possibly washed up. With Mahomes, the risk is that he's young and may not be ready to really deliver – to all those weapons that he has, but he does give the rushing production. I know you're a fan of the Konami code with these quarterbacks. I'm assuming you would still draft Mahomes ahead of Manning. Where, where does he compare to, you know, other similarly priced quarterbacks for you? Oh, Mahomes is, is not even close to Manning. I mean, it's, it's Mahomes for me is like my fifth ranked quarterback right now. Like, yeah, I'm like really all in. So I don't want I don't want to like conflate those two guys as being like similar in my mind because they're really not. Uh, but like it's the it's the, the same kind of idea because I, you know a lot of people say well we don't really know that Mahomes is good and you know my kind of counter to that is well I, I I'm not even really sure if like the burden of proof to draft Mahomes high is to say that he's a good player. I think it's actually just to say that he he's likely not a bad player and. I think that's kind of all it takes to succeed with these weapons. I mean, Tyreek Hill is an elite deep threat. Sammy Watkins, I think, is very good, despite what happened, you know, kind of like the last year and a half. Um, obviously, Travis Kelsey is one of the best tight ends in football. Kareem Hunt is excellent. So when you kind of have all these weapons together, and these are all players who have been really successful at the depths of target that they are, you know, traditionally looked at, like it's really hard for me to see Mahomes to fail. Now to put him at five, obviously that's me also thinking that he's really good. You know, a bunch of this, the stuff that I was doing on Mahomes at two QBs at the time he was drafted, you know, kind of was me buying the Mahomes stock, uh, you know, kind of going all in on that. So that's what gets him to five. But I think like just to take him where he's going right now, I think he's being you know fairly priced because uh, I really don't think I think he's in a really difficult situation to fail. Yeah, and you didn't even talk about how the Chiefs' defense may not be very good and how that might keep him throwing the ball, maybe more than a, a first-year starter really would have to, uh, you know, coming into the NFL. So there, there's definitely value there. I want to pivot now to the fact that you're one of the key, you know, proponents of the zero RB draft strategy. Like, you're one of the most prominent fans of this strategy, you know, in, in my Twitter timeline and in the drafts that I do with you. Um, and believe it or not, if you look at the highest scoring roster from 2QBs.com's mock drafts from last season, the highest scoring team out of all 30 drafts was a team that started out wide receiver, wide receiver. What do you think is the trick to translating the zero RB draft strategy into a two quarterback format? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because we have that extra slot dedicated to... Uh, you know, a non-receiver, right? Like that's like it, when we add more flex spots, I feel like that makes zero RB better. When we add uh, a quarterback spot or um, you know maybe another running back spot or something, whatever your league is trying to do, like that's going to make zero RB a little tougher to to do. But the nice thing about 
a zero running back. The nice thing about two quarterback leagues is that, you know, there's still edges to be gained at that quarterback position. And, and when, when people can draft two quarterbacks and start them, you know, obviously we know that the ADP of those players is going to rise. Uh, and that kind of lets us build like these super zero RB teams where now we're getting receivers and tight ends, maybe a quarterback. Like we're getting guys that we probably wouldn't be able to get otherwise. Um, because after like two or three rounds, uh, well, probably after like five rounds, you're going to have bumped like a full round down in the draft, like a bunch of guys, because there's probably going to be like 12, 13 quarterbacks off the board at that point. So, you know, now we're, we're wrapping up our zero RB teams. And instead of, you know, maybe transitioning into that running back spot or uh, looking at a tight end or something like, you know, we can grab another elite receiver maybe, or we can get in on the quarterback position. And, you know, a lot of the stuff that I've kind of looked at recently at quarterback points to the fact that, you know, ADP is a pretty good market. I mean, it's pretty efficient in terms of, you know, laying out where huge games are going to come from. Like the guys who score a lot are, you know, the guys who have, I should say, like the, the pop games, the big games, those are going to come from the guys at the top of the draft. And the guys at the bottom of the draft obviously are not going to be able to do that as well. But what was really interesting to me is that, like, after the first, like, 12 or so quarterbacks, a lot of those, like, big weeks, it, you know, kind of flattens out. So there's uh, a lot to be said, I think, for, like, if you're going to wait on quarterback, just wait a really long time and pick up guys who you know are going to start at the back end of your draft, guys like Manning, uh, guys like Ryan Tannehill, uh, Dalton, Case Keenum, guys like that, um, because you're, you're actually not giving up as much. Like, once you, once you pass on that first tier of QBs, you're not giving up a ton. So, you know, if we're doing zero RB – now we're in a situation where, okay, like we're probably going to go late quarterback anyway. Um, and now when we do that, we're going to get even more uh, quality or, you know, presumed quality, I guess, in those receiver spots, the flex spots, uh, you know, and hopefully, you know, some other, some other positions on our roster before we, we fill out the quarterback. I mean, it almost sounds like you're describing more of a zero QB strategy than a zero RB. Would you end up taking running backs higher than those QBs you had mentioned, do you think? Uh, I guess it kind of depends how the draft lays out. Like I'm not, I'm not opposed to getting a quarterback early as part of a zero running back strategy. It, it kind of depends on how the draft lays out. I would almost say that like because of the way ADP will move, it, you probably do want to get one stud QB or one stud tight end because uh, you know if you don't, obviously you'll be behind at three positions as opposed to you know the, the usual two. So uh, yeah, I'm okay with I'm okay with getting a QB in there. I, I don't think I don't feel like a real affinity towards running backs. <laughs> oh, get <laughs> so out of town, I, right? I yeah, so I don't have an issue with uh, you know filling one or both of my quarterback spots before I before I dive into that position. When it comes down to quarterback versus tight end, do you have a preference as to which you would rather target early in a zero RB structure? Uh, I prefer Gronk, and then after that, I probably prefer the quarterbacks. Because I still think that, uh, you know, a guy like maybe a Cam Newton, I think that he's probably still a little undervalued. And uh, that's that's a guy that I've been trying to get a lot of. So I I, uh, I would say like Gronk or Cam for me is, is like the two guys that I'm really looking at the most. But uh, definitely, definitely a few other quarterbacks that would be in that mix as well. And you're probably looking at those guys in what, say the third round? Like you wouldn't necessarily reach for them in the second, would you? 
No, I don't. I don't think you have to. I definitely think the third round is a is a good price to wait on. Obviously, we can see maybe the draft board's unfolding, you know, a little strangely, and you feel like you need to pull the trigger there. But I, I would imagine you probably don't. So you mentioned Cam being a little bit underrated. Who is the most undervalued quarterback you think this season? I would say probably Andrew Luck. I mean, mostly, and we know why. You know, it's obviously because of the shoulder, and we haven't really seen him. But I'm just really. I'm just really tempted to believe that like the only way this guy's playing at this point is if he's ready to play. And the team hasn't really done much to improve their defense. They haven't really done much to improve their run game. I mean, they've drafted running backs, but you know, I don't think that their run game overall is all of a sudden going to be very imposing. So this still really strikes me as a team that even after all that's happened rests on Andrew Luck's shoulders. And uh, I think you're probably getting like a potential top five performer as like a back-end QB1. I totally agree. He's been my QB6 since I first released rankings, you know, back after the Super Bowl or whatever. I, I don't really see what there is to worry about at this point. Like, he's had plenty of time to get healthy. He started training camp on time. I, I mean, I almost think it's a foregone conclusion that he won't be undervalued by the time, you know, drafts really ramp up in the middle of August. So if you had to pick somebody else, who, who do you think kind of is the runner-up at this point who maybe down the road will be even more undervalued than Luck? Because I, I do think that the, the hype is going to catch up to Luck eventually. Yeah, you're definitely you're definitely right on that. Uh, and my other guy would be Dak Prescott. Because I, I think that people are going way overboard with really just like a rough few games. Like I wouldn't even say that his season overall was bad. He did a lot of the same things on the ground. Um, he actually, you know, threw more attempts than he did the year before. The main issue is just that, you know, the turnovers were up and the touchdowns weren't there. And I think that a lot of that, you know, for me, like when we look at scoring turnovers, stuff like that, like as long as turnovers aren't like a demonstrated habit, which I, I don't think they have been with Prescott, probably a lot of variance. And I know that the weapons aren't great in Dallas, but when you're rushing for you know, 400 yards and six touchdowns every year, you know, you're, you can be afforded uh, to be a little light on the passing stats. Uh, I like that they have Alan Hearns there. I like that Michael Gallup's in the building. I think that, you know, conceivably those guys could be upgrades on what they had last year. Um, and most importantly, the offensive line's going to be healthy. Tyron Smith is healthy. He's back. Um, you know, I know obviously it's pretty easy to hype up the Zeke suspension as a reason why Dak didn't play as well, but uh, I, I just don't really buy that. I think it has a lot to do with the offensive line. And, you know, even if you think that Zeke's back. So I'm looking forward to another good year from uh, from Dak yeah, on he, brand. Yeah, definitely. He's your boy. I was I was one of those people who kind of overreacted at first. I had him buried in my quarterback rankings for a little while. And then, you know, started looking into the numbers from last season. And his year really wasn't as bad as I remembered it. Uh, it's kind of like the opposite effect of what we see with someone like Jared Goff, where, you know, people look at the season end stats and they say, oh, look how well he did. He must be really good. And then you look at the game by game numbers and you're like, oh, no, we just had a, a few huge games and a bunch of, you know, decent ones. And, and it kind of looks better than it actually is. Prescott was the opposite. Like he, he finished, you know, poorly because of what, for whatever reason, like you said, it could be the fact that Zeke was suspended, but it was probably, you know, a confluence of a bunch of different factors and with that in mind, like, I, I agree with you. I think maybe the hate has gone a little bit too far. My issue is that I can't move him too far up because of you know that lack of weapons. Like, you talked about how much you care about that stuff with Mahomes and Manning. I think Prescott, I mean, has to fall victim to that same narrative if, or, or, you know, reasoning if you're going to kind of look at the quarterback position in that way. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's, he's one of the tougher evaluations for me this season just because so much is different for him now. Uh, I think that, you know, Derek Carr is the other one who I've really struggled to kind of figure out because it's hard to know how much of Carr's season last year was, you know, poor because of the injury that he suffered, that transverse process fracture or whatever it was called. Um, what, what, what do you think about Carr this year? Do you think he's appropriately valued, undervalued, overvalued? I'm never really a Carr guy. I mean, I guess he's... I guess he's appropriately valued because he is going kind of late, but I would tend to, I would say maybe still a little overvalued. Like I just don't, I just think that the cart has kind of come before the horse on Carr because he was, you know, pretty good early on, and I, you know, I think he's a great guy to root for. So I, I think it was pretty easy to like get on the train early. I think a lot of people are doing kind of a similar thing with Wentz, but he's displayed more. Um. But, like, you know, we get on these guys early when they're young because we get excited and we want them to be the next great thing. And, you know, Carr really hasn't been that great. And I, I don't love the offense, or at least what I would anticipate the offense looking like under John Gruden. Um, you know, we'll see. But for me, for me, Carr is a guy, like, I'm, I'm, I'm really okay with not taking him and, and letting him beat me this year. Yeah, fair enough. So who's your toughest evaluation at the quarterback position? Uh, so it's actually someone at the top of the ADP ladder, and for me it's Russell Wilson because, I mean, I, I think he's great. You know, I, he's a great player. I don't think there's really any doubt about that. He's coming off a, a huge fantasy season. But, you know, everything we see out of Seattle says they want to run the ball more. At the same time, you know, they do have bad defense and a low Vegas win total. So it's it's kind of hard to, like, know exactly what they're going to do because, you know, they say they want to run the ball, but maybe they won't. You know, Schottenheimer is kind of a mess. Like, we don't really know how that's going to work. Um, you know, but this whole thing may just end up devolving into, well, we're, we're playing from behind for 30 minutes every week, so Russell's going to have to be Russell anyway. Uh, but, you know, there's just a lot of things going on. There's too many things, I would say, going on for me to feel good about taking him at QB2. Uh, it just, it, I don't know, it's really tough for me to get a grip on. Yeah, I mean, we're typically, you and I typically are not drafting quarterbacks that high anyway, so... It's, it's easy when you have a hard time reading a player like that to just stay away. Kind of like you were talking about with Carr. It's like there's so many quarterbacks that the position is so deep that if you can't get a good feel for a player, if you don't like a player, you really just don't have to draft them, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the best part of what we do, you know, is that you, you can take stands on guys and, uh, you know, no one's, no one's forcing you to own any of these players. Like I, something that I, I've been trying to preach a lot is like I, I hope that – that everyone reads my analysis, you know, and I hope that people like it. But like, ultimately I, I hope that when you go on draft day, like you take guys that you feel invested in because it's your team and you want to have fun with this. Like that's why we all do it. So. so, so who's another guy you're staying away from? Who is this year's most overvalued quarterback? Oh, I mean, it's, is the low, the low hanging fruit is Deshaun Watson for me. Mm -hmm. um, just because we saw so little of him last year. Uh, there were turnovers there, obviously, still. Um, Interception rate was third worst in the league among quarterbacks who had at least 200 attempts. Right. So, like, there's still flaws in the game. Like, he's a young player. But because he was so electric over, like, that small period of time and, uh, you know, he got hurt really before he could regress, uh, everyone's really excited about him. And, and listen, like, it's good to be excited. Like, young players are fun. Deshaun Watson is, is a hell of a lot of fun. I just don't think that you should be drafting him as a top five quarterback because there's for a position that's so good and so deep. I just don't think that you need to spend early capital on a guy that 
that you can't be like too sure on. So what is the typical price point at which you start to consider drafting quarterbacks? Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it definitely depends on the league format. If I'm in a one quarterback league, I'm really willing to, to wait as long as I have, as, I, as long as I can. Like I'll wait till the end of the draft if I can. Um, I'm really prioritizing any, any skill player that I have listed on my board as a target before I get to quarterback because there's there's about twenty some guys that I would be willing to start week one. Uh, so I don't I don't feel necessarily compelled to to reach. I don't feel as though I need to, you know, lock in anything at that position. I really want to give myself as much upside as I possibly can at running back, at receiver, at tight end. Uh, so I'm going to grab you know, as many of those guys as I can. I'm not necessarily going to fill out my whole roster before I fill out a quarterback, but when I take my, you know, when I take my QB one, he's probably going to be the only quarterback in the draft, and I'm probably going to you know, not have any skill players off my board where I'm like, I need to own this guy. So who among those like lower tier skill players, like give me a surprising name, like somebody who you would really want to draft before you pick a quarterback. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think that, I mean, is Naheem Hines, is that too, is that not late enough? Not like late I, enough. And I like it. Um, tell, tell us what you like about Hines. Well, I just think that he's an excellent pass catcher, and I guess this kind of goes with what I was saying about Luck before. Like, I think that this is ultimately going to be a passing offense, and that means that we need the receiving running back in the game. And I mean, that's Hines. He's a you know former receiver turned running back. I always love those guys. Great athlete, ran in the four threes in the combine. Uh, so I really like his chances to come on the scene right away and be, you know, a startable RB two player in PPR leagues. All right. So now tell me about where you're going to start drafting QBs in a two quarterback format. Yeah, I mean, here, obviously, we have to kind of open our eyes a little wider, uh, draft with our head on a swivel, if you will, just because, you know, you don't want to get locked out of the position. I think that that's something that, yeah, I mean, obviously, in Dynasty, that can happen pretty easily, but even redraft, like, I don't want to be just, like, stuck feeling like I don't have quarterbacks, because, you know, you do want those points, even like a super flex league where you could start a non-quarterback, you're giving up a lot if you're not getting a a passer in there. So uh, I'm starting to look probably around round six that like 10 to 12 range at QB one um, if I don't if I miss on those guys or for whatever reason you know maybe my draft is really QB hungry then I will wait you know I'll, I'll load up on those skill guys for the first six or seven positions uh, six or seven rounds and then uh, you know round eight round nine I'll come right back to it and try to try to do a bunch if I, if I end up getting quarterbacks later I do I will draft them like in bunches like I'll draft uh, probably like three rounds in a row if I have to like rounds eight nine ten. Uh, just to make sure that I have, uh, you know, two starters at all times, you know, pending injury. Yeah, I did that in the Scott Fishbowl last year. I think I did something similar this year, close to it, like maybe three quarterbacks and four rounds. Um, that that tends to be my mo as well. Across kind of all your leagues, I mean, one, one thing I've noticed is that when you become a late round quarterback drafter in even in two quarterback formats you tend to end up with a lot of the same guys in both your 1QB and your 2QB leagues because essentially you're just mining the position for the guys you think are undervalued. Which quarterbacks do you find yourself drafting most often, Anthony? So, I I mean, we mentioned Dak before, so I, he's definitely a guy that I have a bunch of, but I have a ton of Alex Smith, which is, again, this is this is Uber brand, right? Yep. Like, <laughs> uh, right on the 2QB's way. He, um, I mean, again, I think that he's going to come pretty close to being a QB1, I really like the offense in Washington. You know, we saw Kirk Cousins be really productive there. I think that Jay Gruden is like another one of these quarterback, uh, you know, whisperers or gurus, or whatever. You know, 
obviously he's coming from an Andy Reid system, kind of a similar spot. So I think that, uh, you know, Smith, again, despite the fact that he was a top five guy last year, he's still going in like that mid to late QB2 range. So gotten a bunch of him. So how about a similar scenario? Who's a quarterback who you like and you you want to draft, but you, for whatever reason, you keep, keep missing out on, like maybe other people tend to value him just a little bit more. What quarterback do you wish you could draft more often? Uh, I just want I want oodles of Cam. I, I know I alluded to it before, but, I mean, Cam has, every time he steps on the field, he has the highest ceiling. Like, he has the most 30-point games at the position over the last couple of years. He gets the 30-point games, like, about 17% of the time, which is the highest. I mean, this is a guy who just has that crazy, crazy upside. You know, and if I'm drafting quarterback early, like, I don't care. I don't care about, like, the weekly difference of, like, two or three points per game. I want the guy that's going to melt the face off of my opponent and, you know, win me weeks. And for me, that's Cam. So I uh, I love getting him. He's going kind of closer to, like, the QB6 range than the QB2 or 3 range. But uh, kind of just because of the way I value the position, I haven't I haven't gotten as much of him probably as I would like. Yeah, he has as many – he has a floor, too. He has as many top 20 fantasy weeks over the past four years as Russell Wilson – and he has that ceiling you talked about, too. Um, in that same span, he has the fifth most top 10 finishes uh, with 25. That's behind only Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees. So about 44% of the time, Cam is going to finish in the top 10. And when you tack on those really huge like outlier weeks where he goes bananas, like, yeah, that's, that's exactly what you're looking at. And you're getting him at a relative discount because he's sliding behind Wentz, he's sliding behind Watson, and even sometimes other guys like... At this point, like I really like Breeze too. I think that he's undervalued, but I would still draft Newton ahead of him because I feel like the ceiling and even the floor, thanks to Newton's rushing, is a little bit higher uh, with Cam. Do you have anything else you got on just general quarterback strategy that you want to impart to the listeners before we sign off? Yeah, I mean, just when you're drafting in a two QB league, don't feel like you have to take a quarterback because the room is taking a quarterback. Like, just be very, very comfortable. Like all the same things that we that we preach at other positions, you know, uh, you know, don't start a run. Like, I mean, start a run, don't finish runs, like all kinds of stuff like that. Like a lot of that goes out the window for a lot of people when it comes to quarterback, cause they don't want to lose out, but like, just trust the process. Like the quarterbacks, there's still, you know, a limit to the number of guys that people are going to draft at that position. If you stay the course and you kind of follow with what your plan is, with what uh, you know, your feelings are in the position and with what, uh, you know, it's happening in your draft, like you're, you're going to come out ahead in the end. So just don't, don't panic is my, my advice. I love it. And uh, before we go, say something nice about this episode's other guest, Jeremy Hart. Oh, well, I mean, an obvious, amazing podcast host for the RV mailbag, just a, a real fun guy, a swell guy, obviously a better guest than me. So you guys will, will want to wait to listen to that after this. Yep. Uh, follow Anthony on Twitter at Amixta, A-M-I-C-S-T-A. And we'll be right back with Jeremy. All right, so I'd like to now welcome in Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe on Twitter of RotoViz. Jeremy, this is your first time on my show. I've been on the RotoViz mailbag a couple times. Uh, welcome and thanks for coming, man. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure to be here, Greg. Really looking forward to the show and the format and really just kind of doing a deep dive, uh, quick hit style, if you will, into quarterbacks. So let's rock. Yeah, man. So let's let's dive right in. What's the biggest quarterback evaluation takeaway that you've gained through your work at Rotoviz? 
Yeah, in terms of early quarterback evaluation, it's really about that AYA. They should make a song about that, right? Adjusted yards per attempt. Even better, at an early age as a freshman, combining that with a, a solid threshold in terms of uh, you know completion percentage and, and really that final year as it all comes together. I think we're still trying to unpack a little bit more about throw velocity and stickiness there. I think there's still a lot more to unpack there. But you know, don't take my word for it. The RVQ uh, crew, the two QBs crew, have, have really been dissecting this for years yours truly sean slavin uh it's funny we used to have a dude uh named slavin in my high school we called him sleeve for what it's worth but uh he's just built a solid quarterback model combining the aforementioned aya with strength of schedule rushing and uh, mobility and draft capital and really just pops into one solid sexy model there but i mean in terms of current quarterbacks let's be honest we're really targeting offenses for a fair price so we can frankenstein if you will our way into top 12 quarterback weeks while not at the expense or draft capital at the skill positions all the while. So we're, we're really about the arbitrage play. So we want to know where we can see an offense and a quarterback, respectively, that underperformed the year prior and get them at a discount this season and not necessarily have to pay an arm and a leg for said quarterback's rushing production to enhance the floor and to maybe get a guy a little bit later that can pick up an extra handful of points all the while at the same time. And I'll talk to you more about those guys who you think might be a little undervalued um, for those purposes. But I want to dive in a little bit deeper in terms of your work on the Rotoviz mailbag. How or, or what is the most common like recurring question or quarterback theme that you have to deal with um, in the questions that you see come in? Are there some common misconceptions or maybe something that you, that you think, I don't know, just needs a little bit more? more kind of hand-holding with with listeners uh you know as you have to explain it does this question make sense <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely you know it's nothing new at this stage in the game, uh, fantasy game to to wait on quarterbacks right so typically it, it's kind of funny it's the inverse we get questions around when someone is allowed to take a certain quarterback you know it's with everyone knowing lrqb late round quarterback sometimes it becomes the smartest guy in the draft room syndrome but but in home leagues you know and these are really where a lot of these questions come in as we start to head into August and September, it's obviously not always the case, but oftentimes we hear in some of these leagues that, that people are simply taking quarterbacks off the board left and right very early and whether or not to follow suit and just make you, make sure you get a piece of the pie or, or still kind of stay the course and and fill out those positions but after that it's probably the disparity between either a, a highly rated quarterbacks ADP and a low supporting wide receiver cast or the the converse of that where you get a low quarterback ADP and a high wide receiver ADP and you know for instance if you're taking OBJ in the first and Sterling Shepard in the middle rounds along with Evan Ingram either one or all of them is being drafted at their ceilings or the quarterback is being undervalued you know same story in denver with the likes of emmanuel sanders demarius thomas and case keenum and then even you know a, a somewhat similar story as we take a look at the positional players in miami and and how they correlate to ryan Tannehill. so this theme has come up with eli with a, a couple other guests and i want to get your take what do you think is the case here do you think eli is being undervalued do you think his weapons are being overvalued what do you think you know i i think it's 
see all of the above, right? Like, I, he's, <laughs> sure. he's, un, he's undervalued in the sense that it's not like I'm going out of my way to take Eli because I think he's perfectly fine and deserves to be where he is. It, it's simply that the baseline for the quarterback position in general has, has just completely shifted. And, and so, you know, you're, you find yourself content, I'll say, in taking an Eli Manning because you still see the volume projecting out for the, for the OBJ and the, and the Shepherds and the Ingrams where it's kind of kind of funnel that that work so i'm not going out of my way for an eli but i'm perfectly fine if he ends up being in that kind of stable of quarterbacks if you will now you also mentioned the comparison of you know analyst leagues and analyst takes to home leagues which we we know are different um what are your home leagues like when it comes to drafting quarterbacks are, are they pretty sharp do you have the the knuckleheads in your draft who are taking you know multiple quarterbacks in the first six rounds or anything like that well, it's funny. I haven't gotten myself back into a new home league per se because I was kicked out. Literally, Greg, I was kicked out of my home league uh, a few years back for just basically just running, sh you know, <laughs> and I'll leave it there. But, you know, we've pretty much built a few dynasty leagues and I can tell you just the the uh, improvement, even in self-process. Right. Like I remember yeah. when dynasty started up i think my first two picks were akeem Nix and matthew stafford right and just what i know now had i known it even then at that point it's just un unbelievable so no i mean all the leagues that we are involved in now i mean no every everybody knows that it's an it's just an un overvalued position um you know there, there's scarcity it doesn't really matter anymore so that's where you know it's funny i find myself trying to convince league mates where i'm at that it's it's time to live in the times and get into Superflex or to QB, exactly what we're doing on the show. Yeah, man, you're speaking my language, and you know that. But um, let's let's talk about some QBs themselves. Who is the most undervalued quarterback to you right now for 2018? Undervalued is Alex Smith. It's our boy. I mean, can I say anybody else right now? He's coming off a career year, and he can be had in the 10th or the 12th round. I literally take him in the 12th round on play draft all day long. It makes no sense. I'm overexposed to him and I don't care. It's just one of those things that it's funny if, if he does go down and I was joking with Sal about this on, on the on, hashtag online here. <laughs> and I shouldn't put those vibes out there in, into the jujus, right? Because I just, I, I have too much of them. Um, and it's almost like I can wait for other undervalued guys like Ben, uh, Ben Rott, Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan, et cetera to start coming off the board before I know, okay, it's time to take Alex Smith. So uh, in terms of being undervalued here, you know, he, he's the one. It's simply a nice little quarterback renaissance we're in the middle of, as we kind of alluded to earlier. We've been straight starred for new quarterback blood in the league. We finally have it. So now people are paying up for quarterback. It doesn't really make any sense now more than ever. You know, we talked about LRQB, but now there's even less scarcity you know, just get out of here with that. The whole range, any of them can finish top five with the parity that we have in the NFL. So, you know, taking the early guys, it just doesn't make any sense and, and just costing yourself the flex draft capital there. And that Washington offense is one of the more fascinating ones because there are so many new pieces there, including Smith. How do you see the receivers shaking out there? Is there a guy that you like more than others? Are you a Crowder guy, a Richardson guy, Doxon, Jordan Reed? Um, how are you approaching the receivers in that offense? 
Yeah, this is one of those offenses that I like to target simply because every all of the assets are cheap. Right. So you can take Alex Smith at a discount. And then after you take him, you can take a Josh Doxson around later. And then you can even wait around after that and get Paul Richardson. I mean, you can take um, Jordan Reed in the eighth round and you can you can literally handcuff him with Vernon Davis as your last pick in a redraft or even later um, than that. So, I mean, that offense, you know, I. I I'd be lying if I tell you exactly how it's going to play out. I know as of lately, there's some some camp reports coming out that Paul Richardson is not quote unquote wowing like the likes of Deshaun Jackson used to. But I mean, I, I don't really care at all. None of all of that is noise to me because those targets have to simply be divvied up. You know, I, I I've heard things like you know Alex Smith doesn't historically throw into a tight window, so it kind of negates the fact that Paul Richardson has a great contested catch rate and i when i think that like what am i just thinking that paul richardson is going to run nine routes all game of course not like he's in a west coast offense now he's going to be able to run the slants he's going to be able to run the flats and he's going to be able to get open before he even gets touched and and that's how they're going to run that offense is very very quick and methodical so if you if you ask me gun to my head i think paul richardson has the highest upside um but i think you know crowder is 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 super hot at his adp and i I don't mind taking shots on Dotson either. So you mentioned doing best balls on draft. Are you one who likes to stack receivers with the quarterbacks that you draft? In the championship format, I have been finding myself stacking. Um, so if I get a guy like Alex Smith, I'll stack him. And then, you know, I like to target touchdown upside. So, you know, if you're, if you're gunning for the 100K in the best ball, you know, I will go ahead and stack there. So I'll take a Devontae Parker and I'll, I'll follow him up with Ryan Tannehill. And what's great is I can take Alex Smith in the 12th round. Okay. Then I can take Josh Doxson, and then I can take Ryan Tannehill because I already took Devontae Parker on that squad. So it's almost like I'm getting two stacks for the price of one, so to speak. So that's something I am doing. Um, you know, if it's a MFL best ball where, you know, it's a top uh, the winner take all or a top three, I'm open to stacking, but not necessarily going out of my way to do it, so to speak, you know, but I do want to get them at a value. So I don't want to overpay to stack and find myself getting assets above their, their asking price, so to speak. But, you know, it's definitely something I'm, I'm open to. If it's a 50-50 style best ball, then no, I'm, I'm still of the mindset that I'm just kind of spreading my exposures across leagues, across teams in the same team as well. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And the 50-50s, I generally want to get my fingers into as many pies as I can in terms of offenses. I think that's smart. Uh, who's the most overvalued quarterback to you right now? Yeah, it's Carson Wentz. This is one that sticks out to me. I don't think he's entirely overvalued. I would say I would just like to see him two rounds later than he is. And even if he is, I'm still not taking him there because, again, there's just too much value on the board. Don't get me wrong. I like him, but I think there's enough red flags there with the injury to to not pull the trigger at his current cost. In addition to the injury, his prior year efficiency, the entire engine that team ran on was just highly, highly efficient, and I, I just cannot 
not expect that to continue, which is driving their overall costs. So in terms of Wentz, um, you know, I'd rather just get one of the positional pieces that he's throwing to at a discount and, and play it that way. Another one is Deshaun Watson. It's hard for me to say the name. I just can't pay the Piper for him. I'm sure I'm wrong here. You know, it's just, again, too much to give up in that range because when you, when you, when you pull the trigger on a Deshaun Watson, there are still just uber talented wide receivers that are starting at wide receiver ones. There's, there's still running backs in a committee at that point. And, you know, the Derrick Henry or Deion Lewis or Rex Burkhead range, like I just can't take a quarterback there. It's just, it's, it doesn't make any sense to me. So uh, the last guy is, is boy wonder Jimmy Garoppolo here. I, I like the offense. I just, I don't get his price here. It's another one I want him two rounds cheaper than he's going. I'd rather take the value on a Mark, is Goodwin, Pierre Garcon in the seventh and eighth. Um, you know, but I also like Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills value in, in the eighth or ninth or tenth or eleventh, wherever they're fine, kind of falling as well. I mean, does it really make sense that Jimmy G needs to go in the eighth or ninth, but Ryan Tannehill has to go in the last remaining 16 game starter? quarterback spot there's just entirely too much disparity there for my liking look i think jimmy g is going to be fine but again i don't need to pay that much to to get that that type of of production so just give me uh the piece of the san francisco offense by way of his tributary so to speak in the in the middle rounds yeah i mean it's all about price when it comes to this guys we don't dislike watson or wentz or garoppolo but when they're being drafted well ahead of other players that we believe are of similar value or similar talent at the very least, then it makes sense to fade those guys at their price. Uh, if for whatever reason, you know, they start to slide back down draft boards because, I mean, you're going to start to see this now where because Watson is being drafted second or third overall among quarterbacks, a lot of people, a lot of smart people in the industry are fading him for that reason, for all the reasons you just mentioned. It's like the price is too high. We don't have a small or a large enough sample size on him. You know, in the NFL, the interception rate last year was bad. The touchdown rate was unsustainable. Maybe, you know, all this negative pub that he's getting in the fantasy community will drive him down to, I don't know, maybe QB7, QB8, especially if guys like Andrew Luck continue to rise. Like, I could see that happening. And if, if Deshaun Watson starts to slide down there, Carson Wentz starts to slide down there in the range of like Ben Roethlisberger and Matthew Stafford and Kirk Cousins, then yeah, then we, we'd draft them there, wouldn't we? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and specifically, if there's a couple guys that I'm going to kind of go up for, if I am going to go at, up at quarterback, you know, kind of the, the plant your flag type guys, uh, the road of his reach guys, if you, if, <laughs> as it's kind of historically called here, I mean, it's, it's Drew Brees and it's Cam Newton because Cam is essentially Deshaun Watson. Granted, he wasn't as efficient as him, but he's coming, you know, three rounds later. Drew Brees, I mean, again, you can, you can potentially get him in the eighth, sometimes the ninth round. And I mean, I'm sorry, if you put Drew breeze in front of me at the ninth round i'm at at the very least going to give it a long hard look there's a lot of ambiguity in the running game i get it that elvin kamara is going to just have to see inherent uh increased workload there but you know all the signs of them you know mark ingram and and the suspension and, and going out and getting terrence west jonathan stewart now <laughs> shane vereen i mean it just tells me that they're going to have to throw the ball and and they're going to have to throw it much more than they did last year so uh drew Brees would ultimately be the guy if i'm going up and reaching for someone he's the guy so are you doing that a lot is he the guy that you're ending up with the most often him or newton or is it somebody else no no i mean it's still alex 
Smith. <laughs> he's easily the guy that I'm getting the most. I mean, it's like if I don't get Alex Smith in the draft, it's like, oh, come on. If uh, every once in a while I'll fly a little too close to the sun and he'll get plucked maybe one or two picks before me, and there's nothing more tilting than that. The only other slightly less tilting thing is I think when Matthew Stafford is still on the board and I'm ready to take Alex Smith and I have to take Matthew Stafford because, I mean, come on, he's got Golden Tate, Marvin <laughs> Jones, and, and Kenny Galladay there to throw to. So I just have to take Stafford there one one rank above him there. But, um, yeah, if it's not Alex Smith, I'm I'm – I'm waiting even further. I'm taking Alex Smith and I'm pairing him with a couple of those late guys like, you know, the aforementioned Eli Manning. Um, another guy that we haven't talked about is, is Mitch Trubisky. You know, he's a guy I'm taking as a QB too. And I'm really just living in that range. But I mean, if somebody's dangling Drew Brees in front of me in, in the late eighth, you know, ninth round, then, then I'll go ahead and bite. So you're talking mostly best ball when you're, when you're dropping these draft rounds, correct? Yeah, if it's a redraft, I mean, I it's very slim chance I'm I'm taking anybody like a Drew Brees because historically you're looking at five maybe six bench spots and I'm looking to get startable players in there as much as possible and then I will not touch a quarterback until you know 11th at the absolute earliest maybe 12th I mean again there's just you know I'm going to be streaming if I've only got six or seven bench slots that means everybody else only has six or seven bench slots and I'm going to be able to hit that waiver wire so I'm certainly not going to be drafting a couple of them unless I have to or unless I have a deep bench. So how about in two quarterback formats, uh, what's the typical price point at which you start to target QBs in those formats? Yeah, and a two-quarterback, I don't want to fly too close to the sun. I'll start in maybe the QB 10 to 12 range because I do at least want to be one of those that starts out this season having two reliable quarterbacks and by reliable I don't necessarily mean good I literally just mean can I put him into my lineup one week dependent on whoever has the best matchup between two and and that's it so if I end up with like an Alex Smith or a Philip Rivers or a Matt Ryan and then I have him paired up with that you know Eli Manning Ryan Tannehill range like like so be it super flex you know I'll I'll fly a little closer to the sun because of course you you've got that added extra uh, flexibility there yeah that's a great distinction you made though about guys that you're okay with starting and guys who are actually good because quarterback floor is generally pretty good and it's pretty predictable week to week Uh, even the bad quarterbacks are going to put up points just because they're throwing the ball so much and we're assuming some standard scoring settings here of course but that is something that you need to be considering when you're drafting these guys like even if even in the bad guys are reliable then it's not really worth paying up too much for the you know the quote unquote good ones. Who's the worst quarterback you'd be fine with starting? It's it's the Eli Manning, it's the Mitch Trubisky, it's the Ryan Tannehill. Uh, quite candidly, it, it doesn't matter too much because I know if you've got me beat at quarterback, that's fine because more often than not, I'm going to have you beat at running back and wide receiver. As, as long as I have a couple of them, I can play the matchups and take my chances and, and, and just kind of flat out try to beat you in the flex there, especially when we kind of start to see the injuries come through, the bye weeks, just the, the chaos of the NFL come through. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, 
it's daunting when you're going up against Aaron Rodgers because you know he can put up four four touchdowns that week and just sink your team in a head-to-head format. And I get it, and you know what I mean. But you're you're not playing for that one week. You're playing for 16 weeks. So um, I'm 100% okay with Eli, Mr. Bisky, Ryan Tannehill because other people are are still taking quarterbacks in in rounds eight to ten. That affords me an extra Kenny Stills. It affords me even getting someone like Calvin Benjamin who. It just sounds gross drafting, but you know what it is? It's ugly targets and they're guaranteed targets. I don't, I don't care. So give me another player like that. Like once those guys are off the board and I start to look at like that, that Ted Ginn, Terrence, uh, Terrence Williams, Tyrell Williams type of range at that point, it's like, okay, it's time to start plucking these quarterbacks off the board. Now you mentioned the waiver wire. When you're in season in a two QB or super flex league, And let's say that someone else's starting quarterback gets hurt. How aggressively do you target that player's backup versus going after, say, like a a running back or a wide receiver pickup that that might be more beneficial to your team in the short term? Are are you one who likes to try to hoard quarterbacks or, uh, you know, pluck them away from your opponents? Um, what's, What's your strategy when it comes to that sort of stuff? If it's going to be a two quarterback league, uh, I'm all for it because the format in it, in and of itself calls for how, you know, critical the position is. And I mean, everybody else in the league is going to be doing it too. So I mean, it's, it's also one of those, how much are you going to be willing to pay for that backup quarterback that may start one to maybe two weeks? So, you know, if, if it's right to do it, then sure. If there's long-term sustainability for the season, then sure. But if not, I mean, if it's, if it's a standard redraft and we're talking the waiver wire and somebody goes down, I'm, I'm going to let any, anybody else do that dance. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have it because I'd rather go for the running backs or the wide receivers and quite frankly unless i have a quarterback by that week and that quarterback that's coming in is just so happens to be going up against indianapolis or something then then i'll go ahead and and make the bid for it but i mean yeah it i think i would say it's more format based yeah and it sounds like in general you address your own team before you worry about trying to screw over the others correct yeah absolutely yeah that makes sense um let's get back to qbs is there a quarterback out there you wish you could draft more often say someone who you like and that you would like to draft a lot but for whatever reason he tends to be valued just a little bit higher by other people yeah it's funny it's it's some of the overvalued guys right i mean i would like to take more carson wentz i would like to take more deshaun watson i would um well i'll just as a disclaimer i'll just put alex smith and drew Brees in there as well because those are the guys i'm already taking so i'd like to take them more but i have to be a little bit more cognizant of exposures there um but yeah i mean i would i really want to get some deshaun watson just because i want to hedge myself i guess but um yeah, it's just it's still once it, once it comes time to to actually pull on the trigger, I just can't do it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think that's all I got. Do you have any other thoughts on analyzing quarterbacks as players, or maybe the draft strategy around the position that you want to impart to the listeners before we go? No, I mean I think it's probably a little cliche at this point, but I mean if we're talking about anybody that you know could potentially flip the depth chart around, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson are the the more popular ones to keep your eye on. Of course, if you're in a two QB or super flex, but I mean I'm looking at the New York's depth chart, uh, the New York Jets 
depth chart there with Sam Darnold. Of course, he's he's going to be the likely guy, but I mean, as of right now, anyway, we still got Teddy Bridgewater there. So that's a depth chart I'm specifically watching because I think there's a ton of value to be had for dirt cheap in that depth chart right now. Arizona uh, with with Josh Rose in there uh, and and Sam, uh, Sad Sam, I like to call him. I mean, that's another <laughs> depth chart that I, I just can't quit Sam Bradford, damn it. But, uh, you know, he's going to keep producing. Whoever gets that starting job there, I mean, there's just way too much value there not to target there as well and then uh, just stay the course you know it's regardless of the format just wait and wait and wait it's a qb renaissance as i mentioned earlier it's the benchmark the baseline that is entirely shifted now so i mean why go up for deshaun watson and, and aaron Rodgers and, and give up fourth fifth round draft capital when philip rivers ben roethlisberger matt ryan alex smith like all these guys are in the 11th or 12th round it's just absurd take those guys and you're still potentially getting a top five QB, just given the parity in the NFL. Yep, totally agree. All right, last thing. Say something nice about this episode's other guest, Anthony Amico. Oh, man, Amico is my man. He's my man. He's one of the brightest, hardworking dudes in the industry I know, and, and that's legit. He's always getting better, always refining his approach. Most importantly, the dude is a sponge. He takes it in, he applies it, and he puts it to work. And, and, but also, he, he's not afraid to have conviction, too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of rare when you're in an environment with a bunch of smart analysts. And a lot of us are humble, so humble to the point that we know that we don't know everything. And there's a lot of amb- ambiguity in, in anything that we're doing here. So, I mean, he's still not afraid to go ahead and put him out, th- put himself out there and have some conviction. But just most of all, overall good dude. He can pay me $20 later on for the kind words, but that's good people's. <laughs> I totally agree. He's one of my favorites. Um, two QBs OG for sure. Uh, thanks, Jeremy, for coming on. Really appreciate your time. Listeners, you can follow Jeremy on Twitter at Fantasy Gumshoe. Be sure to check out the Rotoviz radio mailbag uh, that Jeremy hosts. And that does it for today's Two-A-Day. Please take the time to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, The Two QB Experience. Be sure to follow Anthony Amico on Twitter at Amixta, as well as Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe. Check out the show description for links to their work, and head over to 2QBs.com to pick up your copy of our 2018 2QB and Superflex Draft Guide. You can follow the site on Twitter at 2QBs, and me on Twitter at GregSauce. Whether you're tweeting at us, emailing us at 2QBs at gmail.com, or typing our URL, you got to spell 2QBs out with letters. T-W-O-Q-B-S. Thanks for listening. Adios.